It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast, where we take you on fun escapes into the countryside and chat to fascinating rural folk about some of the big issues affecting the landscapes we all love. This episode sees two grown men wandering a Gloucestershire woodland at midnight in the hope of hearing nightingales and telling each other stories about the best wildlife experiences you can have in the UK. My name's Fergus Collins and I'm your narrator for this evening. I hope you enjoy the adventure. I'm in a darkening woodland in Gloucestershire, near the River Severn. Uh, It's probably about 10 o'clock at night. I've not done a nighttime podcast before, so... Oh, and a bat just flew over my head. Perfect timing. And, um... So it's a totally different atmosphere. I mean, this is called Hynham Woods. It's near Gloucester. uh, Owned by the... uh, Managed by the RSPB. At the moment, you can hear a bit of a dusk chorus. Mostly robins. There's the odd song thrush. They're all quietening down. It's, I'm on a ride, so it's a broad path through thickets. Some taller trees, mostly relatively young trees. Ash, oak, rowan, some birch. sun is just, I mean literally there's just a smudge of pale sky now, it was a lovely sunset earlier and there's a half moon but I'm here for a special bird and this wood is famous for its nightingales and nightingales sing largely at night well certainly the best time to hear them is at night being dive-bombed by bats. I've only heard nightingales a couple of times in the UK, and it is the most startling, extraordinary sound. I'm here with an old friend. His name's James Fair. We used to work together on BBC Wildlife magazine. He lives not too far away, and he's been to see the nightingales many times. He's, I'd say, a wildlife expert, a very good environmental journalist. And he knows quite a lot about why they're here, what makes them come here, and how the RSPB have been managing this site. So what's all this scrub piled up here? So what we've got here is we've got, they've laid down these, uh, they've cut down some, uh, some small trees and branches, and they've laid them 
to create a, basically a thicket, a fence. Yeah. And uh, when I was here a couple of years ago, the, the warden was explaining that by doing that, you're create, basically you're stopping the roe deer and the muntjac, which both of which are found around here, uh, getting into these areas. And you can't really see, but the idea is, sorry, that <laughs> you... Um, you create the sort of conditions that nightingales want, which is nice, lots of sort of thickety brambles, stuff that, that, that they can basically hide in and sing from and nest in. I mean, it's, it's a hundred acre wood, but I think only 20 acres of it or something mm. is kind of good for nightingales, something like that. So, and they managed to pack 11 pairs into it two years ago. I don't know what it was like last year or this. So what year. I'm interested in is: that, is this an outlier here, or it's a complete there are, outlier? There are no no other nightingale populations for miles around. Not really, no. Mm. I mean, there's Cotswold Water Park, black cat. Oh no, sorry, um, that's a song thrush. Isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I would say. What is that? No, oh, no. Song thrush. Yeah, it is a song thrush. Yeah, that's okay, definitely yeah. a song thrush. Yeah. It's doing an interesting... It's really near. Oh, it's sorry. A... I pointed at him and he flew. Oh, right, it was just the Classic thing. bird watcher. Um, should we carry on walking? Yeah, let's have a, let's have a wander up here. So deer are, deer are a big problem for nightingales, aren't they? They're... Deer are big... Yes, I mean, they did a study in East Anglia and they showed that, that the presence of deer... Again, I think it's mainly roe deer and, and muntjac um, in East Anglia is having a serious impact on species such as nightingales. And, and that is because? Because they eat the, the, the scrub, that's the a low-lying scrub, the tangle of vegetation that they need, which basically they need for nesting and for the males to sing from. So they quite like brambles. They the like rest, brambles, the yes. Yeah. like to get the strimmer out for brambles. Exactly. But keep your brambles. But, keep I keep mean, your brambles, get, get nightingales. But, but I mean, you, you... So nep yes. is... I mean, like, they get brambles nep in, everywhere. Nep in Sussex. Nep yeah. in Sussex, which is the famous kind of rewilded place. Mm. That is like... It's just Bramble City in some places. Yeah. And there's these great big tangles of vegetation all over the place and these great thick hedges that have grown like massive and it's absolutely perfect for nightingales um so, but actually yeah. this th- i think this has a higher sort of density of nightingales even than nep yeah. this isn't a woodland you can walk through is it no there's not delightful glades no and um and we, we're walking along a forest ride and then on either side i mean impenetrable thicket it's, it's a kind of a thick forest you wouldn't want to go wandering around in there you just get tangled no. up so yeah, I'm going to build a little picture. We're just walking down. It's dusk. Um, a rather sort of pinkish, gentle sunset. Been a beautiful, what are we, mid-May, aren't we? Beautiful, sunny day. Quite cold now. It's clear sky, there's a half a moon. And we're getting the, the best efforts of resident birds. Sort of dusk chorus. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's still incredibly light and clear, isn't it? Yeah. So some birds are still singing. I mean, the nightingales, obviously, they sing most of the day, in my experience. Yeah. But um, I don't know, what I've been told is that they they have a kind of time in the evening when they literally take, they finally take a bit of time off. And that is maybe now. So we're we're in the hiatus. Maybe, Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I guess they have to take a break at some point. And maybe this is a, a good time. Because obviously they like to do it... I think they like to sing all night. And why do they sing all night? Why well, they... my understanding is that they... They just, they, they want to, A, keep, it's, it's kind of like, look at me, I can sing all night, I can literally do this. I'm strong enough to sing I'm all night. I'm strong enough to sing all night. But I think there's also this thing, so there's the males in here singing away, it's the male that sings. And I've written an interesting thing today, so Nightingale means uh, songstress, so it means female singer. Right. But, of course, it's the male that sings only. Not, not night singer, no. Exactly. No. It literally means fem- songstress as opposed oh, yeah. to... So, so they got that wrong. Um, but, no, so... So, so anything that's sung so beautifully could only be a female. Presumably, really. yeah. yes. Yeah, that, I don't know. Yes, that's a good well, point. We'll have a sing-song later and see what the male... <laughs> but um, but I, I, what I remember being told is that um, part of it is like... So there might be a, a female flying over... And the male wants to catch her, yeah, so see. he wants to, he wants her to hear. She's flying over in the dark, so this lonely little kind of bird flying, looking around. She hears this lovely voice, you yeah. know, from some thicket in the middle of the woods. She'll come down and, and, and visit him. But, so he needs to be singing all the time in order for her to find him. He needs to get his song a few hundred meters up. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I imagine he would. I mean. I, it seems nuts to me, but um, mm. that, that's one thing. But it, it is also that kind of thing of, of if, if I sing longer and louder than, than, than my mate 100 metres away, well, you know, I'll keep my territory. Because also he's, he's defending his territory. Yeah. Um, so it's that classic thing of it's not just attracting the, the mate, it's, it's uh, uh, repelling other males mm. um, and the louder the better they are the fitter they are presumably so keep them away hello there evening hello sorry any joy yet no a bit early I think no. no I think we're a bit early really I think I think once it gets dark yeah. we're very hopeful we've got to record it so um... oh. <laughs> do you think it's here do you well, um, they're all when I've been here before they're all around um, there's one you can hear from the car park, although this, always has been in year, previous this years. This year, two earlier this year, earlier this year, but one's gone. There's only one. There's only one now, apparently. Oh, that's not sounding good. No, no. that's we're thinking. <laughs> Should have gone to the water. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's one person. No, that was the warden, the male warden, as opposed to the lady warden. <laughs> When, oh, okay. when did you hear that today? Yeah. Oh, right. From okay. from the late the male the people, warden the, who was here. The person that the people that were walking there, and he was talking to the man, the male warden. Right. Mm. And um, whenever the RSPB came here uh, a week, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, I was talking to the lady that came on with the walk, and the warden had to actually coax the bird out. Because it wasn't singing very well. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's one that went. Mm. There's only two males. Right. There was 13 just a few years ago. It was 11 two years ago, I know that much. From 13 to 11. Mm. We got them last year, we got them just across there. We just don't know the one there. We only heard one. Mm. Because you heard loads last year, didn't you? Did you? You had a really good night of... We had a really good night last year. Yeah. 
I mean, we didn't... But I came a week later and only heard one, so... Yeah. Yeah, well, that is the problem here. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, we're going to be here till it gets dark. Let's mm. see if uh, mm. we can get some... Let's be optimistic. Yeah. Well, we might see you wandering around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With our arms well, pumping in the air. when you standing here, I thought, oh, maybe you... No, we're just, all you thought we're just recording some, some mm. brilliant thoughts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, there's, some, there's a nice sort of dust chorus. I think all the other birds have to fall silent before the nightingales mm. really pipe up. It's one of the interesting things we should have a, about wildlife watching, particularly going on a mission, because you've... You've got a book coming out. I have, yes. Uh, wildlife spectacles. Of, what is 100, it? 100 great wildlife experiences. Of, in the UK? Uh, specifically Great Britain as opposed to... So not including Northern Ireland because I don't know Northern Ireland at all. And, you know, people say to you, oh, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear a nightingale or I'd, or I'd love to see bottlenose dolphins or I'd love to see pink-footed geese flying over the sea and I don't know where to go or I, I wouldn't recognise them if I saw them or, you know, or, and stuff like that because lots of people don't know that much. And so what I thought was you, there are places, you know, experts, people who know about this, people like you, for instance, <laughs> would, would know where to go to see yeah, these things. Well, 20 but, years, well, I suppose 48 years of uh, gaining knowledge. Well, quite, yeah. and, but some people haven't done that. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that... I don't th- think it really exists in a, in a sort of handy way. It's like, this is the best site to go and see X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, people talk about going to see... Golden Eagles, I think, is a good one. People really want to see a Golden Eagle. and I've never you, seen one in okay. the UK, so where so, should I go? So the best place to go and see a Golden Eagle, it's almost guaranteed, is a site on Harris oh, okay. uh, in, the, in the Outer Hebrides. And, you know, it's... The, 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 the warden there, the, the, the RSPB guy there, says it's probably one of the best sites in Europe to see golden eagles because it's, you walk up a track um, and it's called, it's called Boga Glass. Um, I think Boglass or Boga Glass in Gaelic. Um, and you walk up a track and you're, on, you're, on, you're basically walking through sort of four eagle territories on either side of you. So you've got a really, really good chance of seeing eagles there. Um, and you, we saw them quite close up. I was with my, my partner, my six-year-old, my three-year-old, and even my three-year-old, who was holding the binoculars the long, wrong way round. Even he saw them. Um, I thought I heard something. Just traffic. Yeah, I think so. Um, and whereas, you know, I've seen golden eagles from, like, kind of two miles away through the, you know, scope and it's not a very I don't find that a very exhilarating no. experience it certainly isn't for a three or a six year old or indeed a partner who's not you know he doesn't want to peer down a scope but a bird flying over your head you know riding the ridge like only sort of 50 or 100 yards away that's a golden eagle particularly that's yeah. pretty spectacular and I think lot of wildlife experiences can be disappointing for people um, because it's far away and perhaps they don't have very good binoculars and they don't have a spotting scope like, you know, and experts and spring, enthusiasts. Spring Watch and other uh, UK wildlife programmes have brought 
you into the buzzard's nest or into the absolutely nest, yes into the otter hole how do you beat that yeah. and uh, you can so. beat it because seeing it for yourself is so exciting but i think very often it can be disappointing and what i wanted to do is to do to, to make it less disappointing for people mm. who don't know much about wildlife people who know something about wildlife they know how to do it. They've got the, they've got the equipment. They've got the bird books. You know, they know how We're to go out and find this stuff. Slightly inured to disappointment because that's um, a good point. I we, think we, we are. Have, um, we've done so many missions. It's the ones that come off which are the rarity. Like yeah. tonight, it would be fantastic if we hear a nightingale. Yeah. I think getting close to wildlife can be really special. So we take our kids to Skoma a lot, and we took them there just last weekend. And you know, you, puffins walk between your legs. Um, and that's what you do need that. I, I think for children yeah. you do, sort and of, that yeah. And can instill a lifelong love. It's like catching newts in your hand. Absolutely, you yes. Need to get and, and, you know, and that's great. And I encourage everyone to go out and, you know, uh, uh, pond dip and catch newts in your hand. But there are lots of books that, that oh, tell you how to do that. Yes, and so this book is not catching newts in your hand. It's about seeing those, the, the bigger, so the, what you might call our charismatic megafauna. We don't have much of it left, but we've got a, a bit. There's still, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, that I put into the introduction of my book is that we are, you know, even though if you go to the interior of the country, there's lots of parts of the country where... You don't see much wildlife. No, and we've, we've chronicled this, you and me, over the years. Absolutely. Um, loss. Yeah. But if you, but if you, you depressed But times. if you go to our seashores, yeah. we are one of the best countries in the world for seabirds. We've got yeah. 8 million seabirds still, just, somehow. And you can, we have got some of the most spectacular seabird breeding colonies anywhere in the world. We're one of the best places in the world to see basking sharks, the second biggest fish in the sea. Yeah. Uh, off the coast of um, Yorkshire in sort of August, September, a brilliant, brilliant place to see minke whales. I went there with my partner. She'd never seen a whale before. We saw seven or eight minke whales for three hours. Just off the coast of Yorkshire. Just off the coast well, of Yorkshire. that's not particularly on anyone's radar. Exactly, um, and that's my point. And people go, oh, I'd love to see a whale. Well, you can go up to the Hebrides and you might see a whale and you might not, mm. right? You go to East York, sorry, go, yeah, go to the coast of Yorkshire, North Yorkshire, in September and get a boat, get on a fishing boat out of Staithes, you will see minke whales. It's almost guaranteed. What, half a moon? Yeah. Is it a bit more than, it's a bit more than half, isn't it? It's a gibbous moon, I think. Is it, is it what? Where, a gibbous moon, where, where, and I think this is right. Uh, and I'll obviously scrub this up the recording if I'm wrong. <laughs> But so I what's a gibbous moon? It's where it's, um, instead of being concave, so you get the sort of slice of moon. Right. It's more convex, so you get... Hang on, that is slightly concave, isn't it? I think it's slightly convex, but then it's all in the eye of the beholder. It's, I mean, it's, clearly, a half, yeah. it's a half moon. It's a half moon, isn't it? Yeah. So when you get a little bit more on the sort of sliced side... Yeah. So it's more than half. Yeah. It's slightly concave convex that side I think that's a gibbous moon I like the word gibbous anyway I oh no you're right yeah com- yeah okay yeah it's like God, I was getting my concave and my co- concave and my convex mixed yeah. up concave is going in when you get because it's like a cave yeah yeah, yeah gibbous okay gibbous is yeah G-I-double-B-O-U-S O-U-S oh yeah. yeah. oh, right. 
good. The gibbous moon. It sounds a bit sort of like, uh, yeah, something bad things creep. happen. Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. No nightingales come out on a <laughs> gibbous moon. <laughs> right, back through the thickets again. What's today? It's a, it's a Monday. It's a Monday. So this time last week we were on Skoma. And um, so, and on Skoma, you go, we stayed the night on Skoma, two, two nights on Skoma, and you go to Skoma to spend the night, obviously, to hear the Mang shearwaters coming in. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, they make, what sort of noise do they make? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> People will think there's a nightingale singing in the, in the woods here. <laughs> it's really weird noise. That's pretty good, actually. I, uh, I, well, I I'm not sure it was that good. Quite proud, proud of yourself. I, I wish my partner Louise had been here because she makes yeah. the noise very, very well. Well, there are bird watchers over there, birders over there, who've, who are now completely confused. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like, my God, a Manx Shielder. <laughs> I didn't think this was a good spot for Manx Shield, was it? Um, but they come in at night. Yeah. Um, uh, and they have to come in under the cover of darkness because otherwise they get eaten by the black bat gulls. Um, uh, so we, we went out with our now eight and ten year old kids and showed them this amazing spectacle. They were slightly underwhelmed by it <laughs> because, well, you can't see anything, you just hear yeah. this weird noise. I mean, yeah. you, you can see a few uh, shearwaters, they kind of land in this bedraggled heap, and it's like they've they're got just tiny legs, is that right? They've got useless legs and they're really set far back on their body, right, so they right. basically can't walk, which so is why they get picked off by the gulls. They wobble the along on their, on their chests and. and yeah, their... sort of, but some of them, some of them. So you, obviously a lot of them are coming in to go back down into their burrows um, to basically t- to swap over with their partner who will then go off fishing at sea for a, for a week or two. Um, but some of them, the non-breeders, they just land and they just, they, just, they just stay there and you just see them sitting in the grass, just yeah, sitting wait, there. Waiting to be picked off. By waiting it. to be picked off by a black-backed gull. Or, are these the great black-backed gulls? Great and lesser, yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They've, built, they've got both. Great, great black-backed gulls, if you've never seen one, are really quite extraordinary big they're, beasts, aren't they? Well, they're the size of a buzzard, yeah. basically. Although, as my, my um, eight-year-old called them, great, uh, great flat-packed gulls. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, yeah. we, we christened them Ikea Terribles. I- <laughs> <laughs> They have a really stern look on their faces as well. Great black bat girls. I mean, they, they really do. do. They, they do have a stern. So. They got, and they've got these enormous beaks. They're terrifying yeah. beasts. Yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with them. I mean, they can swallow a pe- puffin hole. They can, that's so they say. Yeah. Oh, I think I've seen one. Too. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sure they can. On, on Skoma. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, they are terrifying beasts. Oh, and small dogs, obviously. Probably. Yeah. The point I was going to make was that um, if it had been as light as this, this time last week, we wouldn't have seen any. Because they wouldn't come ashore. They wouldn't come back, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't come back under this with this sort of light. The gibbous moon. Because yeah. it's under a gibbous moon. <laughs> because it would just be like it would be a field day for the yeah. flat back yeah. gulls. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. God. I mean, yes, they're sort of cannon fodder. But at sea, marvellous. Well, they're beautiful flyers. I mean, they're beautiful. Sheer water. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and. Ooh. What's that? Yeah. Just a squeaky. Yeah, there was something, wasn't there? Might have been a rodent. Had a more rodent sound to it. But... Well, let's keep plodding on yeah, and yeah. see if. Uh... But it's quite. Um... So I was reminded of uh, a story someone told me once about um, he was staying um, 
in the, Seych in the Seychelles. I can't remember which island. And I think it was a, um, he was on an island where sooty shearwaters come back at night. Yeah. And the same thing, I think it's the same thing that they have to come back at so night. So shearwaters have the same miserable I, I, nighttime Well, adventures. certainly they were coming back at night. Yeah. Um, now on, on Skoma, they come in, they come in quite low. So they're mm. kind of flying over your head. And sometimes you see them, you can almost feel the air rushing over your head as mm. they come in. They they're very broad of, wingspan. Yeah, very broad. But, you know, they're flying quite low and fast. Um, and, and, and in fact, someone asked me today, said, well, you know, you get, did they ever collide with you? You know, because they're coming in so low. And I thought, that's never happened. But the story I heard of this guy um, was that he went out one night to have a pee um, and as he was having a pee, a bird came in rather lower than he'd expected. Oh, oh dear! And collided with him. Oh dear! In the in the, uh, it, yes. in, the in the lower department. Amidships, he was held oh held below the water. water line. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear! And what happened? Was he, uh, oh, he survived. He, su- right. he survived. And he has. Was it sheared off? He, <laughs> he has subsequently fathered two children. So. Oh, good, good, okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say who it was on air because I think that would be unfair. Uh, yeah, okay. um, my God, look at that. I mean, this is incredible. It's, it's, I mean, it's lighter than it was earlier, but maybe we've got our eyes in now as well. Well, there is that, yes. It does take, how long would you say it takes to get your eye in um, night vision? I don't know, 20 minutes or so? Yeah, I've well, been here a good four days I mean, now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you don't need a torch at all. I mean, no, it's, it's, it is now pro- it's proper dark. It's proper yeah. night time now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. The sun has gone. There's yeah, a, there's, a, there's a sort of. You think smudge. there's still a? There's a smudge, but you can see stars. Yeah, it's dark enough to see stars. Obviously, there's still people busy on the A40. It's still quite busy, isn't it? Do you think it's reduced a little bit? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's certainly not as much heavy goods traffic. No. Although my experience of it in the past has been that. Um, the one thing that does still go past at half past twelve is an, you know, is a, is an articulated lorry, yeah. yeah, as opposed to the smaller cars. But um, thundering through the night on the A40, exactly, from yeah, Gloucester to Ross and Wye, carrying their <laughs> mysterious packages. <laughs> what do the people of Ross need at that time of night? <laughs> and why Jaffa cakes? I imagine yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a demand for Jaffa cakes. It's very high demand for Jaffa cakes and Ross and Wye. Yeah. Good time Ross and Wye, actually. I was there the other day. It's much... Uh, hadn't been there since I was a kid. I don't think I've ever probably nice been town. to Ross and Wye. Yeah. I've been near it. Thriving, I would say. Is it? Thriving country You'd say town. it was thriving. 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 Okay. Thriving as well. Thriving as well. <laughs> I, I thought it was a... Yeah, it's a good town. Okay. It's beautiful. On the sweep of the River Wye, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That would be obviously. the on Wye bit. <laughs> <laughs> Gives it away, rather, doesn't it? Yeah. But... Uh, that's right, it. Nightingale, where are you? Yeah, it's time to... Time to time, show your colours. Time to put it in a... Even a sort of, like, ten-second burst. <laughs> Good. It's amazing, the shadows cast across this woodland ride by the trees. It's, it's like a black-and-white photo of a summer's day. <laughs> <laughs> if you squint. <laughs> So, in your book, um, yeah. what of all the hundred? This is the obvious question. Of all the hundred great experiences, which was the one which you treasure 
the most if you have one? Yeah, I mean, so so I have my top two are seeing white-tailed eagles on Mull, and that right. was I treasure, and and I think no one could fail to be to be moved by the sight of a of a white-tailed eagle flying in to pick up fish from 20 yards away. Um, and that was, but it was also, I, I, I treasure it because, because my three, my son, who was three at the time, was kind of standing, you know, on the boat with me, utterly gobsmacked. Um, sort of, you know, he couldn't quite believe that there was, there was a bird bigger than him flying towards the boat. I think he was rather alarmed, in fact, but it, in, a, in a sort of a good way. Um, but my kind of, my number two was, was probably the one that... Was personally speaking, was the most remarkable thing I did, which was uh, going swimming with basking sharks, and and that's not something you can take a three-year-old to do. So, um, but it was just me, uh, and I, well, you go with a sort of organised tour, but there is something snorkeling, or... snorkeling. Yeah, you yeah. just get in the water with a very thick wetsuit because it's you're between Cole and Tyree in the Inner Hebrides, and the sea's pretty cold in September. Um, Wow. Yeah, and you've got a mask and a snorkel, and you... How close do you get to these? It was about 10 or 15 feet away. Wow, okay, and these are big fish. We're, we're well, talking was, sort of... It was a small basking shark by basking shark standards. It was only about four metres long. Oh, a tiddler. Yeah, like a tiddler, a yeah, baby, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's totally unimpressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> four metres long, so we're looking at... Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's two, 14 or 15, 14 feet, is it? Two tall men standing on each other's shoulders, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and, and some, and I think, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe. It's a big fish. Yeah. It's a big fish, yeah. yeah. That was and pretty amazing. And they have huge amazing. mouths. Yes, yeah. the, the, the mouth wasn't open at the time. Wow. It had been feeding, but as it went past us. Um, the weird thing about it is it didn't seem to be moving, and yet it came and went in the space of about 10 or 15 seconds. It's, yeah. you know, it didn't seem to be waggling its tail or anything like that, but they just glide. Like a submarine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally silent, sort of unmoved, cold, sort yeah. of almost reptilian sort of animal you know it's sort of completely you, you wouldn't have uh, i wouldn't have even registered on its radar you no. know it's just looking for plankton. there was no connection no no connection no. at all but what but i mean one of the things that's interesting about this and we were talking earlier about the whales it's interesting you think these things are set you know that this is this is what happens and this yeah. has happened and always will happen well like nightingales in Hindham Woods like nightingales in Hindham Woods and and I mean not just from a so this isn't just because of I don't know, climate change or whatever but just animal movements change yeah you know famously there was a great gathering of uh, killer whales in Ticefjord in Norway um, in in late sort of November December um, because the herring went there, and they used to be able to go up these two trips up there, and you could get into the water with the killer whales. Yeah. And then that's brave. I know they're not man eaters, but they're, they're quite. Yeah. Well, I still take a bit of guts, wouldn't it? Well, um, uh, yeah. But anyway, so but the herring moved, and obviously the the, the 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 killer whales did too. The killer whales. I mean, that's that's one that's in the book. And you call them killer whales. I do call them yeah, killer whales. Okay. Scientists tend to call them killer whales. Do they? Yeah. Not orcas. Not orcas. No. Well, that's a change. I always thought that it was the other way round. That uh, so rather like you call um, white-tailed eagles. White-tailed eagles are not sea. Eagles. Not sea eagles. Yeah. Because they're not just a seabird. Yeah. Um, Seagulls. Uh, <laughs> a different no, thing altogether. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my, my 
Orca and killer whales, a little bit interchangeable. So we can ca- we can call them killer whales. Yeah, with with Even without though, guilt. Absolutely. Ah. I, I think. Oh, I like much prefer calling them killer whales. Oh, I, I I've yeah. yeah you I've never always... you never strayed off the path of well, killer whales. <laughs> I, You're always a true believer. When, I, when I'm <laughs> yeah, when I'm writing stuff, you can you know you don't want to if you don't want to write killer whale for the sixteenth time. You might say orca. Yeah, but. On the whole, uh, I would just I just use killer whale, yeah, mm. um, yeah. Killer whales. Well, that I, that I didn't know. I would have admonished you, you, people for, for for saying killer whale, for saying killer whale it's a, because it's a wrong pejorative. Well, see, the thing is, of course, that that people think so. People, the, well, ah, it's usually pejorative. They say it is misleading because they're not whales. Oh yes, right. True. So they're dolphins, um, but. They were called killer whales because I think it was the Basque sailors. I think it was Basques. Yeah. Basque sailors um, saw them attacking and killing whales off the coast of Spain. Hence, killer whales. Ah, yeah, they were killing whales. They were killing right. whales. They're whale killers. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Not not killer not whales just that kill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, although but, although that also fits. But except they're not whales. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. So that's the yeah, problem yeah. with it. Good point. Um, but if you think about it as being, of them being killers of whales... Mm. They're killer dolphins, right? They're killer <laughs> dolphins, yeah. So did you put Heinem Woods as your nightingale spot? I did put Heinem Woods as my <laughs> nightingale spot. <laughs> Come back! <laughs> so if they, have, if they miss a breeding season... Could that be it for the... Well, that's certainly, I think, f- the, the, what they worry about. The, 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 certainly when I spoke to the warden a couple of years ago, what they worry about is if... They can probably miss one breeding season, possibly even two, but if you miss more than that, then the bird will die. And, yeah. obviously... Um, but they, they would fly here... <laughs> not breed or well or are they are they are they not surviving in their overwintering grounds Mm. um i mean there's always the fear that what's happening to them en route between the two um very vulnerable in lots of different places exactly yes but i think we don't would coming back next year it's worth a punt i mean probably not worth coming back this year I would, I would, I would, um, I would contact the the reserve now. Yeah. I think before I came out here. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I One think the way. worry is if if they if they're lost from this site completely, then birds wouldn't know to come here. Mm. Yes, that's, that's the problem. That, 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 that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so I think there is that. Yeah, it would purely by. It would then be purely by chance that yeah. a bird found it. Whereas, obviously, if you've got a bird that's coming back. And, um, and, and then you've got this singing male, so, you know, it can draw in a female. Well, we didn't hear any nightingales, which was a huge disappointment. But at least I got to hear some great wildlife tales from James. And his book, 100 Great Wildlife Experiences, is published this summer by Pen and Sword. After our visit, we contacted the RSPB warden for Heinem Woods, and she told us there were only three males they know of this year, so numbers of nightingales are right down. But they believe that two of them have already paired up and she thinks they generally stop singing after pairing. She also said because there's more space now with only three males, there's less reason to sing to ward off other males. 
Hence, perhaps the silence we encountered. So there is hope. If the birds who've arrived this year produce lots of offspring and they return next year, we might get a decent chorus and I'll be back to record another podcast. Always hopeful, my fingers crossed. (laughs) For now, thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find loads more on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app and Acast. And tune in next week for more adventures. This has been a podcast for BBC Country Farm magazine, produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman and Ben Hewitt. Thanks for listening. Goodbye now.